welcome to How Fitting, the podcast about creating fashion and growing a business that fits your customer, your lifestyle, and your values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today, I'm joined by Jane Hamill, the founder of Fashion Brain Academy. So welcome to the show, Jane. Hi, it's so good to be here. Thanks, Allison. Yeah, so excited. Um, For those listening who maybe don't know you and are meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Hey, everybody. I am Jane Hamill from Fashion Brain Academy. I am a former clothing designer and retailer who now spends my days on a mission to help women make money using their creativity by designing and selling physical products, mostly clothing, accessories, sometimes jewelry. Um, I do online courses and private coaching, and it is truly my mission to help women make money. Awesome. Um, so exciting. So I know you, you talked a little bit about like your background, but like, how did you kind of get into fashion industry and then into kind of like the coaching you do now? So I actually was, you know, one of those kids sewing for my Barbie, that, that story. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, yeah. Which is ironic. Cause I did an, an essay for NPR for this, I believe the series in like the last like 10 years. And, um, my topic was Barbie cause it really was influential for me, but anyway, that's an aside. Um, so I was one of those kids. I wanted to sew. My sister was sewing and she's four years older than me. And I asked her if she could teach me how to sew. And she literally tossed me a Vogue pattern and said, read the manual. (laughs) But I did. (laughs) So I grew up, you know, or whatever, junior high, high school sewing. And I'd made all my clothes. I'd made my like winter coats and blazers and everything. But I didn't think it was a legit thing to study in college because I came from a very traditional Midwestern family. So Mm -hmm. I went to Boston University. Yeah. And then they're they're like, get a liberal arts degree. That's what girls do. Um, Well, not girls, but people. And so I started at Boston University and I loved it. But I was super like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I wanted to I had to pick a major. I was in there for over a year and it was going to be either economics or art history. And I couldn't decide. And I was like, I just want to go to fashion school. So I transferred to FIT and really, really loved that and learned how to like design clothes. Didn't learn anything about business, but I definitely learned how to like get a pattern made and things -hmm. like that. So I'm kind of a traditionally trained um, FIT girl. And after that, I moved to Chicago. I I worked for a year for a company like uh, on 7th Avenue. And didn't love that (laughs) and didn't love it and didn't think it was going to be like the traditional fashion industry was kind of not awesome for me. And I ended up opening a store when I was 25 years old, a retail store where I designed all the clothes in the shop. And then within two months, a buyer from Marshall Fields, which is now Macy's, came in and Mm -hmm. said, hey, we like your dresses. Would you sell them to us? And I was like, "Okay," (laughs) like, no, no idea that, you know, here I had barely been able to scrape through to open up this store. Two months later, I'm getting an, you know, an inquiry from a a big box store. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a little crazy. And uh, I did so many things wrong. I mean, so many things wrong. I lost so much money, but not, you know, didn't put me out of business. And um 
Yeah, I ended up shipping to them. I mean, my store opened in October and I was shipping a delivery in April. So it was all wow. very, very quick. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, one interesting part of the story, for those of you listening who will have no money and no clue and no freaking anything <laughs> like <laughs> I did, I did go to fashion design school and that's big. But other than that, I had nothing. I had no idea how to start a business. I had no connections, no family money, nothing. And there was no you know, crowdfunding back then. So I had no way to get any money to start a business. And I was dating a guy who was going to Northwestern to, to Kellogg to get his MBA. And he's like, well, you should do a um, a business plan. And I was like, dude, shoot me now. I am not, I don't, <laughs> awful. Like how many pages is that? Like, come on, man. And anyway, he's like, just, just, just do it. I'll help you. So I'm doing this business plan. And the whole time I'm filling out the business plan, I'm like, this business is never going to happen. I can never do this. I don't have any money you know, how do you start a business when you're just me and you have this job? And, you know, I never thought it would happen, but I still kept working on the business plan for reasons unknown. I truly was doing it and then saying to myself, this is a waste of my time because there's no way a person like me can open up a store. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to open up a store. And the reason I went up to the store is because a person that I went to FIT with, he had a wholesale line and he was like, this is so hard. This is very difficult. If you want to make your life easy, Jane, just open up a retail store, <laughs> which is so funny because that's so easy, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause retail is so easy. Um, but he's like, you know, you can sell the things in the front and make them in the back and it'll be like this nice little business that won't kill you. And I was like, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that. So that's what I wanted to go after. And I literally was just talking about it at a family party that I wanted to open up this store and I was working on my business plan. And I had an uncle who said, what are you doing, Jane? And he was kind of my, my buddy, uncle, uncle John. And he's like, what are you working on? And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm doing this. It doesn't mean I'm working on anything. Cause I got no, you know, I didn't, I probably didn't say I got no game, but that was pretty obvious. And he said, well, show me your business plan. And I was like, why would I do that? Like, he's like, show it to me. So I sent it to him. Allison, he calls me two weeks later. And first of all, he calls me your uncle, right? And I'm thinking, mm -hmm. who died? Somebody died. And he goes, Jane, I read your business plan. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Now I'm going to hear everything that's wrong with it. And he says, I really liked it. There's some things that I didn't think, you know, I would like to change. But um, your other uncle and I would like to invest in your business. And I was like, so cool. shut the front door. Like, what? I had no idea that they, I, I didn't know I had a rich uncle. I don't know that he was a rich uncle, but he was rich to me. And so they invested $25,000. I put another $2,000 and I opened up a store with that money, including the build out, the inventory, everything. So that's wow. how I got started. Yeah, that is, that's so cool. And like, yeah, kind of all the things about you have the fashion background, you have the dream, you don't have the business background, but simultaneously you're like, I don't know what I'm doing but I'm going to do it anyway, even though I don't even, I don't think it's going to work. And then it obviously worked out really well for you. And um, I mean, I could not believe it. I, the moral of the story is you don't know what's going to happen, but if you don't start on it, nothing's going to happen. Like things unfold that you can't predict. And mm -hmm. that truly was my experience. I just, I worked on something that I truly thought was not going to be possible, but I kept doing it anyway. And then the answers came and the how came. So that mm -hmm. was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so today's kind of like topic too is 
connecting with customers and like finding your ideal customer. And that kind of starts with like, you have to say something and talk about it, you know? And like, if you hadn't just mentioned to at your, um, like family gathering that like you're working on this business plan for this thing, like nothing would have come from it if you didn't say yes, totally. I mean, so many times I've been embarrassed to say something because it seemed like too big of a dream. Um, but for some reason I wasn't that day or I don't know who knows, but, um, yeah, like just putting it out there, what you want and taking action. I don't know. I mean, that shit works. I mean, I hear about it, right. Manifesting. Mm -hmm. Hello. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Well, that is a great, like, that is a little bit more of your background that I hadn't heard before. It's such a cool story. Yeah. I'm very, very lucky. Um, and as it turns out, so my uncle's like two years in, they're like, look, why don't we just call this a loan and you pay us back and we're done. And so, cause they had, they owned 49% of the business and I owned mm -hmm. 51 and they're like, look, we don't really need to be running this fashion business with you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I paid them back within two years and I never borrowed money again. I had lines of credit, but I didn't um, actually, it was always self-funding. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. Nice. So I have so many questions around like, you know, building a business, finding the customers, like once you fill the store with inventory, how do you fill it with people? Um, and I know you do a lot of coaching with different um, brands, like you said, about how you know, you're helping women make money making, you know, selling fashion and accessory products. So let's kind of dive into that more. And I, I'd love to know um, either, and, and I'm also curious, like, what did you do in your business versus like what you coach people to do now? Like, were there, are there differences there? Of Oh my gosh. That's yeah. <laughs> such a good point. Yeah. Of, um, wh what comes first, the, the product and the brand or finding the ideal customer, customer, customer first product, second, always, always, always which is very counterintuitive to mm -hmm. certainly anyone who's been to fashion school. Oh my God. It's all about your great designs. Um, what I, I mean, so <laughs> what I realized was I thought, and, and a lot of my clients now feel there's, we're so product focused in the beginning. We're just mm -hmm. like, well, if I don't have a product to sell, who cares about the customer? Like, I won't have anything to sell anyway. I have to get this product right or I don't have a business. And that, I mean, that's not wrong. You need a product. But the worst position to be in, the most difficult position to get sales is when you say, I have this thing, who wants it? Mm. And so I have people who will call and say, Jane, I have 500 pairs of denim, blah, blah, blahs could I hire you as a coach to help me with the strategy to sell it? And at this point, I'm like, no, you, you, you got it all backwards. Like you have these products and now you're going out looking for someone who wants it. When the way you want to do this is to say, where is a group of hungry people that I can give them something to eat? Right? So mm -hmm. let's say you're a teacher and you just are desperate for dresses with pockets that are under $150. That's a group of people. 
you mm-hmm. it's like this I, I immediately my- thought of somebody who is a teacher who wears a lot of dresses and loves pockets and dresses and would they pay 150 because they probably wouldn't pay 250 I don't exactly know. yep you know no I like immediately had like I know I know somebody who is that exact customer right and so what happens is okay let's say you know she's 30 years old she's a teacher and she teaches at a charter school so she's dead ass broke okay my kids went to a <laughs> charter school the pay is not awesome um the teachers work and so you know the customer so well because you either are one or you have a friend who's one and you can design this product around this person's lifestyle you can interview them and you can say not if i made these clothes would you buy it they're all going to say yes because Number one, they're nice and they want to think they're somebody who would buy dresses like that. Number two, human nature is that we are very optimistic about our future behavior. So Mm. we might, when, if you ask somebody, if I made these dresses with pockets and there were these special fabrics and there were this, 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 and all this stuff that you want to do, and you ask your teacher friends, would you buy it? They are thinking, well, I'd like to be a person who buys sustainable. I'd like to be a person who does this. Yeah, Jane. Yeah. If you made it, I'd buy it. And then they don't because they don't actually spend that money on dresses. Mm -hmm. So the questions to ask before you start is number one, is there a group of hungry people and I could give them something to eat? If you are a CrossFit person and you're missing, there's something missing in the CrossFit market and you're going to create it. Are you going to interview or do a survey of 100 CrossFit people and not ask them, would you do this? Would you buy this? But ask them, what was the last three purchases for your apparel for CrossFit in your your closet? Where did you buy them? How much did you spend? What do you love about them? What's your favorite piece? What's missing in your closet? You're asking them about their current behavior, not about some fantasy future behavior. If I were a kinder, smarter, more eco-conscious person. (laughs) That's that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ask me how I know. (laughs) Did it wrong? Right. Mm -hmm. So customer first, product second. So because if you, if you create the, the next thing I will say is if you create something and you can't find people to buy it, it's not always because there's anything wrong with the product. It's just because you didn't reverse engineer fitting into their lives. You're just mm-hmm. offering them something saying, do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? Instead of knowing, well, my customer goes on this many work trips a month to these places and this is the type of stuff that she's already wearing, but she's missing this. If I know her, and I know her lifestyle and I've already maybe created an audience or, you know, attracted an audience based on the lifestyle of my ideal customer, not about my actual product. Now, then you have a chance to do pre-sales, to get pre-orders, to truly create, you know, lifetime buyers because you're in there with them, talking to them every day, listening to their problems and your, your, um, product is helping to solve some tiny, small problem in their life. We are not curing cancer with our apparel and our accessories. I get that. Mm -hmm. And what you put on your body or the, the right bib for your baby or whatever kind of product you make can improve somebody's day. Maybe it just makes them smile because your prints are fun, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. but I really do think that we can do a lot of good in the world, in the planet through our physical products, or we can do a lot of bad too. But 
those are not usually the clients that I work with. They're not the ones who are trying to pump out, you know, containers full of fast fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Uh, well, this is all like super gold here. So <laughs> I'm sure um, everyone listening is like taking notes. Um, so if the, you know, and I totally agree with you, like the, it, it's very hard even for me as a pattern maker and I'm not doing the design, but just to create and help develop and fit a product I don't know who it's for. Yeah. Um, so those are like yes. questions that I'm always asking my client is like, I want to know as much about the customer as possible because that really helps drive so many decisions and takes the guesswork out of it and makes it so that you're not like overspending on things your customer doesn't care about, you know, yeah. and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, um, so oh. customer first. But customer how, first, product second. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So how knowing that, how would you recommend like brands identify who that ideal customer is to begin with? Yeah, this is I mean, this is this is it. This is the work. And I will tell you with my own business, with Fashion Brain teaching courses for apparel and accessories designers, product-based businesses. I do a new updated buyer persona or ideal customer avatar, whatever you want to call it. We do it like every three months and I'm not exaggerating. Mm -hmm. And that's for the last 14 years. Okay. Because every time I have like, okay, the costing and pricing mini course, right? Is this for someone who has a business already? Is this for someone who's startup? Is this for the person who has a background and doesn't like all of it matters. Okay. So you can create anything you want. But if you have the person in mind who you're creating it for, then you know not only how to design or what fabrics or what price point or, you know, how delivery dates, whatever, but you'll know what font can I use? What colors should my website be? What mm -hmm. can I make references to these shows or that shows or this music or that music or, you know, the messaging, the vibe, all of it. So here's an example from somebody yesterday, a, a, a new client. It's our first session and she's describing her products as one does, as designers always do, or people, not even designers, but the people who don't consider some, themselves designers, but they're starting a clothing or accessories brand. So hello, you are a designer, by the way. Um, <laughs> so own it, man. You don't have to go to fashion school, not even close to be a designer. Please get that out your head right now. So she is creating these clothing and it has a certain type of aesthetic. And I say, okay, so she goes, so I want to know what would be my pre-launch list building strategy. How should I attract people? What content should I put be putting out there to attract the people who will buy? And I said, well, who are the people that will buy? And she said, a woman between 35 and 60 who, you know, is into architecture, graphic design, or interior design. And I'm like, okay, woman between 35 and 60. Can we just unpack that for a hot second? A woman between 35 and 65, whatever, can buy your clothes for sure. Anybody can buy. Like we're not saying, oh no, only redheads can buy my line. Okay. But mm -hmm. you can't market towards a group that big. So mm -hmm. what I teach is for, for people to, to choose one exact human, a real person as your ideal customer. And then you can have a secondary customer if you want to. So for instance, if you have a children's brand, the ideal customer might be the gift giver or the grandparent, and mm -hmm. then buyer persona B might be the parents. And so your messaging for like, if you're buying a gift is going to be a little different than 
if this is your own kid. Okay. Mm -hmm. That this is just kind of, you don't have to worry about it too much right now, but who is the ideal person, your dream customer and your ideal person has to check three boxes. Okay. They have to, this is going to sound kind of basic at first, I think, but number one, they have to actually like what you do. (laughs) (laughs) They have to like, like for this lady, for instance, yesterday, okay, she has a very architectural, she's eco-conscious, it's it's almost severe for some people, it's um, solid colors, it's very, very cool for the right person. So mm-hmm. somebody has to th- look at the product and say, I dig it, that's cool, I like it, okay? Number two, they have to understand the value without too much convincing. So let's say somebody likes it And then they go, whoa, that's a $400 dress for that like simple sheath looking thing. Why would anyone pay that? I could get that same look from Kohl's. Okay, they're never Mm -hmm. gonna get it. They're not gonna understand. We can't convince them. Oh no, you should buy less and wear longer. Like we, we can't take somebody who's not there all the way to, but this is why this is good for you. Like they don't care. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they have to actually understand the value without too much convincing. Here's another example. I have a side business that sells physical products. We sell native plants, plants that are um, native to Illinois for pollinators and online education for uh, native plants and gardening. Okay. (laughs) The people in my neighborhood, I say, oh, we have native plants immediately. They're like, oh my God, I need a pollinated garden. Oh, I need a rain garden. Like they just Boom. Mm -hmm. They know it. They get it. I go to my sister's, no offense to my sister. She's lovely in the suburbs. And I say, and literally their patio is all ripped up and they're redoing their backyard. And I go, Hey, you guys know, I just started a native gardening business. Right. And they're like, yeah, that's awesome. I'm like, yeah. So uh, what are you thinking back here? Cause the patio is almost done. Oh, we're going to do boxwoods and this and that. I go, yeah, but you know, have you thought about natives? Um, yeah, no, but we're going to do what we're going to do. I go, well, what about even some like Rudbeckia, like black eyed twos? We're good. Doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Doesn't want to know about natives. Isn't interested. I cannot. She's my sister and I cannot convince her to save the planet with her, with her garden. She doesn't care. Mm-hmm. She cares. She's a lovely person who cares about a lot of things, but she's just not there yet. Okay. So I had to just drop it and walk away. So they have to actually like it. They have to understand the value without too much convincing. And then they have to have access to money. And the reason I say access to money is because it's not necessarily about maybe their salary or their household income. They could have a sugar daddy. They could have a credit card problem. They could have a trust fund, like who knows? Mm -hmm. And the reason I say they have to have access to money is I learned it very early on in my business when I, I opened my store when I was 25 years old. Okay. I didn't have, I had a big grand opening party with a bunch of Southside Chicago, like friends and relatives from my parents and friends of mine. And so I had an initial splash of a grand opening party and some sales, and then I had nothing. So I had to figure out how am I going to pay this rent in Lincoln Park? (laughs) I don't know how to market this shit. I'm just a, I'm a clothing designer. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what I figured was I, my, my store was conveniently located between children's Memorial hospital and their clinic. So all of these pediatricians were walking by every day from the clinic where they'd see patients to the hospital and they had to walk right in front of my store and they were residents. So there's like lots of women in their late twenties <laughs> walking mm-hmm. by now who are doctors and have money. 
they don't have money. They have like, they make like $25,000 a year as a resident probably. Okay. Right? As a res- yeah. But they got credit cards, girl, and they're going to be doctors. And they yeah. have dates. They had dates to go on. They had to look good. And they were the best customers on the planet. I love them so much. They totally understood the value of the product. They loved it. And they didn't They didn't really have the money, but they plopped down their credit cards without hesitation. And so they were like the perfect customers for me. Because like they'd come in and they'd be like, oh, I have my third date. Oh my God, I need a third outfit. Like it was just <laughs> so fun. So nice. I would start to think about actual humans that you know or know of. And I would ask yourself this question. First of all, do they check those three boxes? But second of all, who do I most want to see using my product? Who do I most want to see using my product? So if it's your sister's cousin's best friend, if it's somebody you work with, if it's a woman you see on the elevator, someone you see at the gym or someone, maybe someone you follow online, but I I wouldn't choose a celebrity or you know, something huge. Cause then they don't have any objections to buying. Cause they're just like, they'll buy anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I also you wouldn't to, choose like, yeah, find, find a person that represents a group that's bigger than one. You know what though? I don't even do that. I don't even think of it that way. Cause then it's too hard for me. I just think of one. So mm-hmm. if like, let's say if it's my ideal customer yesterday, that woman, she's successful in another field, she's around 40, she has a lot of experience working and being successful, but not in this industry. I just think of her. And mm-hmm. so that helps me with all of my marketing, all of my copy for my website, you know, exactly what to teach. Like I know if I give her apps to use at that age, she's only 40 or whatever, um, she's not going to be freaked out. If I'm mm-hmm. going after like a 60 year old clientele, then I got to be really careful about how much technology I throw at them. Right. Mm-hmm. So I would really consider one human and then one secondary ideal human (laughs) and make your decisions on them. Now that doesn't go for body type. Okay. It can, it can, but it doesn't necessarily mean like, well, she's my ideal customer and she's really curvy. It just means her as a person who shops. Maybe it's the body type. Maybe not. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Usually not. You probably have thoughts on that, Allison, because you know so much about fit. Yeah. So, and, and that's a great point of, is your ideal customer, like there's the demographic information and kind of like the buyer persona information of the ideal customer. And then there's the fit and body shape of your ideal customer. And yeah, I'm definitely more focused on, okay, we need to find a fit model for your brand who is the ideal body shape of your customer and it's great if they're also in the target market of those other demographics, like the buyer, the buyer yeah. demographics. Um, but they aren't always, you know, sometimes it's, you know, a friend or, you know, somebody, a colleague or something that the, you know, brand will use as their fit model who isn't necessarily the same as the buyer. Mm-hmm. But it mm-hmm. you yeah, when you're when you're ready to develop the product after you know who the ideal kind of buyer is then you do need to know, okay, that buyer, what type of body type are, are they? Um, do they have in yeah. general? And you know, when you had first talked about your um, the designer you were working with, with a, like a 35 to 60, I think you said age range. My first thought is a 35-year-old and a 60-year-old have different body shapes and fit preferences about how they want their clothes to fit them. Um, 
so oh it's God. hard to know yeah. like which of those were were making clothes for and of course there's crossover but again like you said one is your primary person that you're thinking of when designing and then sure if like the six-year-old says oh I also love that and I'm fine you know showing my arms in this sleeveless dress or which shift dress then great but like it may not be ideal for every you know six-year-old or whatever if you're designing for the 35-year-old or vice versa yeah I mean I look, you want to, you want to ageless, timeless pro age clothes, more power mm-hmm. to you. But let me tell you, if your your body changes after menopause and it is not the same. And so the clothes you pick out when you're 35 and the length of clothes you'll wear and the number of sleeveless things you wear is really different from most 60 year olds. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, some people are share and that's cool, but uh, for the most part, all of this matters. And sometimes your buyer persona doesn't have to do necessarily with any demographic or psychographics situation. It's a shared experience. Mm-hmm. So this could be um, you have your your client is going through chemo mm-hmm. or there's a birthing. Uh, I have a, I worked with a doctor who was working on this uh, kind of blanket and outfit for birthing mothers, you know, so it's this shared experience that they're going through. But like like all ideal clients that you're going to choose, it's not anyone who's having a baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, for sure. There's plenty of people who are not going to be interested in any of this like specialized stuff. They're just going to do the basic stuff or some people are going to birth at home. Like, I don't even know. But, you know, even if you look at how does Target market their, you know, their products, you know, Target is kind of for everybody. Like my dad would go to Target, mm-hmm. right? A lot. But you don't see Target advertising for old men (laughs) not like hey old grandpa come get your six pack and you're you know you know they're 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 marketing towards college kids and soccer moms as far as Mm -hmm. i can tell and everyone can shop there and everyone does but those are the two that they go after and then we are so okay for anybody to come spend money with us Mm -hmm. yeah so such great points um so I'm curious to know what are some of the most like unique and successful ways that you've seen brands connect with their ideal customer or find who they are or market to them? Like what are some cool, cool ways you've seen brands do that? Okay. So there's something that's working really, really well right now. And I haven't talked about this on anything yet. So um, breaking news, <laughs> here's an exclusive. Okay. So I have been testing with a few clients, um, having them for pre-launch. So if someone, if you haven't launched yet and you know, you want to sell whatever, something for certain type of yoga customer, you can start building your audience now. Like people, people will, I, I remember one time somebody asked a guy about how to sell books, how, you know, uh, my book will be ready in six months. When should I start marketing it? And he said, two years ago. <laughs> and it's like, damn it, man. But what what he means and what I mean is if you know you're going to sell a yoga product or, you know, apparel for a certain type of yoga person, then you know who that person is. You know their lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? Maybe you know if they're single, married, their occupation, um, where they go on vacation, where do they live on the Upper East Side? Do they live on the, the um, in 
Bushwick, like you kind of know who this person is, what life stage they're in. Um, and if they're tech savvy, where do they hang out online or in real life? And you can choose a section of what they're into to create content around. So maybe you do like a Q&A Tuesday and you know, so usually people who start yoga products, they are yogis, right? They either teach yoga or they're just into it and they see a white space in the market and they want to fill it. So you can start doing, you know, ask me your something yoga questions every Tuesday. Okay. Q&A Tuesday with yoga, Yogi Jane. And they'll just say, okay, yoga for menopausal women or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you just start giving tips or um, strategies or answering questions about their lifestyle and how their lifestyle will then fit into the same people who buy. Okay. So you can start creating content anytime. If you don't even know exactly what your product is, but you know, it's dresses at a whatever price point for teachers, but you don't know what fabrics, you don't know what colors, you don't know anything. It doesn't matter. You know, you're going after a 30 something teacher. Mm -hmm. So, you know, her lifestyle, she's dating, she's going out, she's drinking. Like, I don't know, whatever she's doing, she's hiking, whatever this person is doing, you can start creating content around that. And two of the easiest things to do is like a Q&A Tuesday, like, hey, uh, maybe you, maybe your teacher lives in Chicago and you're just going to do like uh, a listicle every week, you know, uh, six great places with rooftop decks with specials because you know they are on a budget whatever mm -hmm. like it could be really anything that would eventually attract the person to lead them down a path to a sale okay so if you're creating content around the lifestyle of your ideal person not necessarily around your product which is something that's kind of hard to understand mm -hmm. it's almost like you become a a blogger or you become a person who makes a two-minute q a youtube video every week whatever okay so then what you can do is you can say, hey, we're looking for product testers. And the product tester thing has been just working great. And it can be pre-launch. It can be if you already have a product, but you're going to do, you know, a slightly new design. Um, one of my clients, uh, Magdalena from MNOP Jewelry, she did, hey, we're testing this new uh, earring that you can sleep in. Uh, we need five product testers. Sign up here. You're going to get free jewelry. And we're going to ask you to take some pictures in it and tell us how did it work for you to sleep in. So there's like strings attached, mm -hmm. right? So they sign up. They immediately say, thanks. Answer these questions. You know, like um, they get on your email list is the whole point. We want to grow our email list because email has the highest return on investment of any marketing activity across the board. So the number one thing I would do, whether you have a product ready to sell, or are in pre-launch mode, building a pre-launch audience, I would get a list. Do whatever you can <laughs> to trade them something cool for their email, whether it's a quiz, whether it's a survey, whether it's a, hey, we need, we're going to look for, we're looking for product testers. They get on and you say, okay, when we're ready, you might be chosen to test our new mountain bike jersey. One of my clients is doing a mountain bike jersey. He went from like 12 people on his list to like, I don't, I want to say 240 or something nice. people on his list by saying, we need product testers for this special mountain bike jersey. Yeah. And so he does content. I mean, he has committed to customer first. If you're a, this kind of guy who loves mountain biking, we don't have the right jerseys. I'm trying to make this product. It's coming soon. Will you be a tester? 
apply to be a tester. We're going to choose some people when, when we launch. He doesn't know when he's launching. Mm-hmm. It's driving him cuckoo for Coke <laughs> pants because he's like, I keep making all this content saying we're coming, we're coming. But I'm like, they're not here just like waiting with bated breath for your product. They're here for your content. They're here for the community. Mm. So it's a very powerful strategy to build a list saying, do you want free products? When we're ready, we're going to be apply to be a tester. And it's kind of also getting the buy-in from people um, because they're like, oh, I'll be part of this, this product evolution, which is really, really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. They get to kind of grow the brand and feel like it, um, like, I feel like this is the same kind of effect that happens when people like crowdfund a a brand 100%. where then they kind of like, they not only get whatever the perks are, whenever the thing launches, but then they get all the bragging rights to their friends of like, yeah, I was one of the initial backers of this like cool, awesome new thing that everybody loves, yeah. you know, and Dude, I was a product yeah. tester and it was like orange back then and kind of ugly, but it was still good. And now look, yeah. at, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's a very low stress, low risk way to build a list because worst comes to worst, you don't produce that product. Okay. Sorry. Like, <laughs> like they're not going to be mad. Like doing a crowdfunding campaign is awesome. And I, I encourage it. Any pre-sales mm-hmm. are great. But that's a much bigger thing. Like he truly has had so many manufacturing issues because he's been trying to do it on his mm. own. Just saying. <laughs> um, and I know. And um, uh, he doesn't know when it's coming, but he he still believes it's coming. And he's getting coaching to stay in the belief because I know it's coming. I've seen this these manufacturing problems for years, 20 years, and you're going to get a product. It's mm-hmm. coming. He doesn't know that, but I know <laughs> it. And so he keeps, you know, making the content for these guys and building the list. And they are so happy. And they're like, oh, you know, what do you do about this? And how do you, what do you do if you, your hands get numb when you ride? And it's all about this certain type of guy in his mid forties who loves to mountain bike, but he's not one of those like really badass 20 something dudes. Mm-hmm. And so He's building that community. He's building that audience around the lifestyle of the person who will buy his product. And it's a beautiful thing. It's working. I have one client it's not working awesome for. It's okay. When he gets the traffic there, the the opt-in rate is good for the beta testers. But I would say the other like nine are doing amazing with it. So I'd say eight out of nine is pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah, that is. And such a great tip of product testing and the list building. It sounds like that's that's been a really smart way to find the ideal customer and like get in touch with them and have them excited and ready for the product before you're asking for a sale. Yeah. And what you can do, I mean, I, I, I know you had Elizabeth Stiles Mm -hmm. on the, she is so great. I love her and she is amazing with social media. Mm -hmm. Um, so she probably gave a lot of tips about that, but what I would say about social, like for instance, Instagram, cause that's where most of my clients start and spend most of mm-hmm. their time, you know, all, all the things, but I'd say majority Instagram, um, you can really truly just start with Instagram with like nine posts. So you have like a little grid, um, that kind of re- represents what's coming and the ideal customer, and then just use social media to get them back to your like a landing page Mm -hmm. um that says hey not i wouldn't just say we're we're launching soon get on my list i would give them something either be a product tester 
or take this survey or take this fashion quiz, um, get this, you know, cheat sheet for how to pack for a long weekend in Paris with an overnight bag, you know, like some type of lead magnet is very, very effective. I've had people do pre-launch quizzes um, that are great. They just take a little more to set Mm -hmm. up. But people will sign up for quizzes. You just have to be very careful about not just making it a general BuzzFeed quiz. You know, it's got to be something very specific. Um, One example is a client of mine, Lindsay. Um, She set up her her brand is called Guild Party, G-U-I-L-D. And before she launched, she set up a quiz called What's Your RPG Class Style? Allison, do you know what that is? An RPG class? I do, but only because uh, my husband is into that kind of stuff. So I didn't okay, when you first so said you know. the name, but then when you described it, I was like, oh, okay, I, I know vaguely what that is. Yeah. So she sets up this quiz. What's your RPG class something? And she gets a bunch of people to take it. Um, because no one's going to take it if you don't know what an RPG class is. I don't know, except now I do because of her. It's a role-playing game class. Mm-hmm. So if it's like D&D mm-hmm. or something. So if you're into that, you're totally going to know what that is. You're going to take the quiz. If you're not, game over. You're not going to touch. You're not going to click. You're not going to bother her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's all good. So she did that. And she actually had a friend. She she used to be, and I think she still is kind of a gamer. And one of her friends on Twitter reposted hey take this quiz and she got a 400 people to take the quiz in one day wow. it was inc- incredible but she realized there were a lot of guys and she's like well these guys are not going to buy these dresses so or these you know it's women's apparel for this audience and so and it's it's real dresses not just t-shirts and stuff too um so she changed it to what's your rpg class style let's get your style going and so it became much more obvious that it was for women and then she was attracting the right people to the quiz and the quiz converts at, I can't recall the percentage, but it's, I don't know, let's say 10% of the people who sign up purchase, which is great mm-hmm. because you're, the quiz is free and people share it. And, you know, she does, you can run ads to it. You could run $3 a day or something to traffic to get people to take the quiz. Um, but you don't have to. And it's very, very specific. It's only attracting the people who get it. So, that can be a little trickier if you have more of a general um, clothing mm-hmm. line or a clothing product, um, but you just have to get creative and make sure you test it. You know, you just say, instead of like, what's your style? It's like, what's your busy time, busy mom, no 10 minutes to get dressed in the morning style, like whatever it is, has Ridiculously to be specific. really calling out. Yeah. As specific as you can get. So Anyone who likes dresses is not signing up for it. It's the people who like these kinds of dresses mm-hmm. or whatever, you know? Yeah. So true. So true. Um, so I know we're, we're running close to the end, but quickly, yes, I would love to know now that like we've talked all this about like connecting with the customer and get them on the list, like identifying who they are and being specific. Um what are some ways or maybe hint at some ways we can dive in more in maybe a future conversation or they can uh, listen to your podcast for more on once people, sure. once these ideal people are on your list and you're connected with them, um, how do you turn those people into paying customers? Well, that is an amazing <laughs> question. And so 
what I think about is who is my ideal person? What is my ideal product or product category for them? And then how do I turn them into a paying customer? And often that is through consistent emails and non-boring emails. Now, people are already freaked out by email, so I don't want to make you more freaked out. But basically, if you look at what big brands are doing, e-commerce brands, mm -hmm. do the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what DSW is doing. They're blasting you with emails and it's like, buy this, buy this, buy this. So you know, a combination of sending out emails that give value, content, and offers to buy. And an offer to buy just means this is what I got, this is what I'll do for you in your life, and this is how to get it. It doesn't have to be that complicated. Mm -hmm. Now, you can, you know, pull a psychological trigger. I have, an, I have an episode that asks on how to make a good offer. And usually, there's something that gets people to move because as humans, we're going to put things off to the very last minute, right? I have a, I have a prescription I need to pick up for my son who has asthma and it is a life-saving medication, an EpiPen. And we're down to like one and they're calling me and texting me to be like, we're going to put it back out. You have to come get it. And this is a, a life-saving medication for my son. And I'm going to wait till the day before it goes back up. I promise you. <laughs> Okay. So if that's what we're doing, imagine what we're doing is just to buy like, you know, a dress. So we have to give them some like timeliness, like, Hey, you can get this by this date. And then it's gone scarcity. There's only five of them. Maybe here's a discount or a value add or a bundle offer. Like usually we have to create a reason for them to buy right now. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have a built-in reason, like they're going on vacation and they need that. Um, maybe not. Usually people won't do anything unless there's a reason to do it today. And that's where learning how to sell in a non-sleazy way really comes in. And that is that is what I had to learn quickly as a designer when I opened up a retail store because I had real Chicago Lincoln Park rent. <laughs> and so I had to figure out people are walking by out there, but they're not coming in. How do I track them to my store? How do you attract them to your website? Mm -hmm. And it usually starts with how specific can I get for the customer? Awesome. If they walk by, am I showing a little something for everything? Some, something for everybody? Or am I showing the exact date night outfit for a 29 year old resident mm -hmm. to wear to this restaurant? You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, I have one more question that I ask everyone at the end of the interview, which is if you could communicate sure. one value to the world through the work that you do, what would it be? Oh gosh, that is such a good question. A value. So I'm not sure exactly how to answer this, but I guess I would say that one thing I wish entrepreneurs knew more and I wish I knew mm -hmm. more was to actually trust your own instincts for mm -hmm. your business. Mm -hmm. I think we get so swayed by what she's doing and she's having success and she's doing it that way and he's doing it this way and they're doing it that way. So I better do those things. I would encourage you to be really honest. What am I willing to do to market my business? What am I not willing to do? And that's okay. You don't have to be funny on TikTok. <laughs> you don't have to make reels and dance and point. You can create the business marketing and attracting the people the way you want to. Now that doesn't mean you can be boring, but it does mean 
that if the algorithm tells you you're supposed to doing be doing blah, 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 and you see your competition doing blah, 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 it doesn't mean that that's the only way to be successful at all. I promise you that. If you do you and you say, I am a good writer, I'm going to write articles and I'm going to learn SEO and I'm going to do blah, blah, blah. That is your strategy and stick with it. Yeah. Because if you stick with something, you know, I say a minimum of 90 days to decide if you want to do it or keep doing it or not, see if it's mm-hmm. working. Um, it's way better than doing a little bit of a bunch of different things to attract customers. Yeah, great, great point. And I totally agree. And it goes right along with kind of what we've been talking about of being really specific about your customer also means you can be really specific with how you're marketing to them. You're not just doing what everyone else does. Um, Well, this is- And it can be scary. Like, well, what if I choose the wrong customer? Well, trust me. You can always (laughs) always learn more. Yeah. Oh, you can flip-flop your customer next week. It's fine. But um, I mean, I shouldn't say it quite like that. With fit, you can't. But you know, I can go after one ideal customer this week and next week I can be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to tweak this messaging for this mm-hmm. and it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Well, this has been so helpful, Jane. Um, thanks so much for joining me. Where can people find out more about you online? Absolutely. So I am putting together a little buyer persona handout for you guys, um, just for your listeners. And you can find it back on fashionbrainacademy.com slash how fitting h-o-w-f-i-t-t-i-n-g so fashionbrainacademy.com is my site that's where i have the how to build a profitable clothing or accessories line you know focusing really on the business side of things and then um you can get this buyer persona ideal customer um a little a little tutorial and worksheet back at fashionbrainacademy.com slash how fitting wonderful Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Jane. And yeah, I know there's so much more we could have talked about, but um, yeah, I'll also share a link to your podcast and people can check out more about what you do there as well. Thank you so much. Oh, if people have questions, you can, you can hit me on social as well. Um, Instagram is at Jane Hamill, J-A-N-E-H-A-M-I-L-L-C-H-I, sorry, at Jane Hamill Shy, C-H-I. So um, yeah. Find me on find me on the interwebs, as one says. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, yeah. Allison. Bye. Bye. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you would like more episodes and resources like this about growing a fashion business that fits your customer, lifestyle, and values, send straight to your inbox. You can sign up for my email list at allisonhanis.com slash newsletter. That's A-L-I-S-O-N h-o-e-n-e-s dot com slash newsletter. Again, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode of How Fitting.